Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 27, 28, and 29 of The Dragon Reborn, Teleron Riyadh, A Way Out, and A Trap to Spring. Enjoy! All right, welcome to season three, episode 11. Um, moving on through the Dragon Reborn, we have one new Patreon since last week. One new patron, that's the Wheel Takes Podcast, who was our guest last week. And I can't thank them enough for keeping me up super late on a recording night, but um, a fantastic episode. If you guys skip that one for whatever reason, because you thought it was like almost four hours long, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to that one. Go back and listen to it, please. It is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't listen to all of our episodes when Alan edits them and puts them out. But I have listened to that two more times since it came out, <laughs> and it is thoroughly entertaining all the yeah. way through, nonstop. It's, it's a fun. It's a fun time. Um, so yeah. So other milestones. Nothing really as far as milestones goes. We're we're still growing um, as far as Twitter followers, Facebook, Instagram. Um, our listener numbers are going up relatively quickly. I think, what was it last, last time we had like what, 40,000 now we're at 43,000 in one week. So, um, yeah, we're like 3000 new, new, new listeners or new, new downloads a week. Yep. So, so a lot of people are listening to this. Um, I'm sorry, not sorry. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We we, we got better. So (laughs) I'm still blown away by it. I just, yeah. I'm enjoying yeah, so, it. I'm loving it, but still well, surprised. Speaking of people listening to us, um, yesterday on Twitter, I, I did this kind of tongue in cheek. I didn't expect it to be as big as it was, but um, I posted on Twitter because I know Waldon Prime has an official um, uh, Twitter account for their um, TV show, and they post sometimes with content creators, and, and they posted they're going to be on a dusty wheel, at least in the chat, listening. And they've they've said that they. Listen, I think Sarah Nakamura, who who is the book consultant, has said that people from the show listen to the Dusty Wheel. So I kind of tongue in cheek, I said, Well, I know Watton Prime's listening to Dusty Wheel tonight, but what podcast do you listen to? Um, you know, do you listen to Talk Around Riyadh, which is about the show? And they responded back saying, Yeah, we listen to yours, Talk Around Riyadh, and a couple other ones. And the other ones we should listen to was their question. And of course it blew up from there and they started saying they're subscribing to every single podcast and YouTube channel. And, uh, it was pretty epic and awesome. <laughs> and it was just kind of one of those tongue in cheek. Like wasn't it, I didn't expect them to respond. I mean, I know they've been a little more active with that stuff, but just because you tagged them doesn't mean they're going to respond to you. And I think they <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But, so I, went, yeah I, went, I went from super excited when you told us about that, Alan, to like realizing that I was like, and have multiple times been super geeky fanboy over Roseman Pike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, now, now I'm worried she heard it. And she's like, oh, what a doofus. Oh, <laughs> there goes your chances, Ian. Yeah, I know. I blew it. Yep. She's so cute. Well, since now we know that people from the show actually do listen to us. Um, yeah, so Rafe. Um, if you're listening to this, um, pick an episode, um, any chapter. If you want to come on, it's open. you're open. We will we will kick anybody else as a guest out of the way for you. Um, 
literally. Yeah, we'll, we'll kick Alan off. And yeah, I mean, yeah, and you can run it. I, I will. I will. I'll just start it, start the recording, and then step out of the way. Uh, edit everything. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go back and do all the editing, of course. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Doesn't matter who it is. Uh, yeah, Rafe or any any of the actors or actresses on the show want to come on and uh, grace us with their with their wonderful voices. Um, yeah, it's without without having to say anything more. You're you're, well, you're, you're more than welcome. <laughs> you know, it, it almost so. sounds like a joke, but again, I did not think we would make it to where we're at now. And so nothing's outside the realm of possibility. So yeah. Yeah. let's yeah, do it. Exactly. Yeah. So since, since you said you listened to us, we'll, we'll call your bluff. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of having guests on next week, we have a guest. So I'm excited that uh, uh, next Tuesday for us uh, recording this right now, on Thursday. So a few days from now, we're going to have all the way from England, uh, Rob from Malkir Talks is going to join us um, as a guest. So excited to have him on. He has a YouTube channel where he does some cooking. He also has a podcast. He's also like everywhere all the time. Uh, he does stuff throughout the community for a lot of people. He does readings. He's on various shows. He's been on the Dusty Wheel before, been on the Leafcast. Yeah. So excited to have Rob on. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it should be fun. It'll be and, fun. And he has a really sexy voice. Not gonna lie. <clears throat> yeah, he has that. I've heard him do some readings, and it's just fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So, so maybe we'll have him just narrate the the, the next chapters for us the entire That'd time. Be so cool. Just sit back and listen. We're gonna create our own uh, our own um, um, yeah our own our own audio book with Rob, where it's really not us; it's just him. <laughs> by, by our own, I mean his own. Um, so so you, you like hear us cheer in the background every now and then, yeah. or like give a ooh and ah when it's all ah. <laughs> Yeah, and then we actually have some of some of our our, our faithful, um, I guess, listeners and supporters and and patreons um, are actually going and Rob and Rob himself. He is releasing an episode tomorrow our time, where it's safe for first time readers. So I'll send that link to both of you guys where they interviewed Michael Kramer and I was, was Kate Redding there too, or was it, I think it was, I think it was both of them. So the, the voices of the audiobooks. Super cool. <laughs> that is indeed. Yeah. Both of, them, both of them were there. So it was, it was, it was Kate Redding and, and Michael Kramer were on Rob's podcast, Malkier talks. So, so, you know, he's coming off that to, you know, um, to us, so <laughs> yeah. he really downgraded. <laughs> yeah, he, he peaked. He peaked, and now, now it's. <laughs> I don't know how we follow up with that. <laughs> on yeah. that downward slope. Yeah, that downward slope. To, to, to I'd, I'd say I'll bring the boot out of retirement, but we're a podcast, not a YouTube or anything. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't help. <laughs> but he brings us on his show. There we go. That's yeah, bring yeah, there. I don't, yeah, that'll be good. So, yeah, so, um, and then uh, location of the week uh, where we have listeners from. I'm going to pick another uh, Eastern European, um, Estonia. We have listeners hey. in Estonia. Really? So, uh, thank you for listening to us, whoever you are. Uh, we awesome. appreciate you. Tell your friends. So, um, Estonia is the country of the week. Our location. Sometimes I do states. I think I did Alaska one week. But yeah, so uh, moving on to personal life, um, a lot going on. Um, I my son's birthday is coming up, so we 
we've been going through this whole entire thing of planning a skiing trip. So we got snow today as well. So we were telling him that he's going to get snow for his birthday. So we're excited that, got, that this came early because we weren't expecting anything really to stick. And, you know, we got to play the snow a little bit, but we're going to take him to the mountain and to a ski resort. He's three. He's not really going to go real skiing, but yeah, it's still fun, you know, for, for him to be on the mountain. And, um, and but we were going to go to uh, one of the Virginia slopes, um, uh, wintergreen, um, but I don't want to give them bad press, but it didn't work out. Um, I won't get into uh, the whole entire Karen moments my wife went into, but um, we're going to Massanutten instead, which is another resort <laughs> because of all of it. Um, but that's fine. Uh, just another ski resort. So that's going to be next weekend, not this coming, but following. So just doing all the planning for that, trying to find skis for a three-year-old, which I told my wife, I said, I don't know if we really need that because I don't know if he's going to be able to ski. <laughs> but do, they have the, we'll do they have the tubing park at Massanutten? Or yeah, is that what yeah, those are fun. They do, but he's not tall enough or old enough to ride that to do that yet. Oh. So even with enough. you? Is this not yeah, America? Even, what is going yeah, on? I know. You have to be like, it's like, it's like a roller, it's like now a roller the, coaster. Now the yeah. tube park. I didn't it's like know I mean, did you see my meme I sent out about the the Wall Street stuff about GameStop? Yeah, I should laugh at it, I guess, but it's there's so much good humor yeah, should, going around with that. Yeah, no, we sh- we shouldn't laugh at at the at the GameStop. You know, people it hurts real people that have multiple boats. It's, yeah, they might have to sell one of their six yachts. Yeah, because the small guys banded together and made money. Yeah, I am so upset. What exactly mm-hmm. happened? Because you know, I'm on the yacht at the moment. Like, I just I kind of caught pieces of like all of a sudden stocks sort up 2000 percent like that doesn't actually happen that's like boom people made like 15 grand in two hours and like, is that real essentially yeah, i mean enough so, small people banded together and made moves at the same time um that were like a counter to what some of the big hedge funds were doing so they mm-hmm. saw that there were a lot of big shorts out there by these hedge funds and certain stocks, and, and actually they were they were fair bets when you think about it. But anyways, the small guys were like, "Well, we can flex. Also, we're going to band together and we're going to call your bluff." And they called them, and yeah, that's that's essentially it. A very watered down version. The, mm-hmm. My only real question is, is what happened with GameStop itself? As a oh, that's relevant. That's, that's irrelevant. I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 really high right now. I mean, it's going to collapse in the next few days. That doesn't matter. Yeah. All these hedge fund guys like lost a bunch of money. That's a matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel bad for the company in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's some GameStop folks that saw the writing on the wall, but they were still hanging on to their stock, and they were like, "Well, guys, you know, everybody's just downloading stuff now. Nobody comes into a store anymore. We're going out of business. Holy cow! I can retire today." <laughs> like, <laughs> I, so do i feel bad for him no i i hope those people those those middlemen those smaller guys in the company i i hope they were able to take profits out of this yeah. so yeah so time will tell we'll see but, it, but if you went from three boats to two it's mm-hmm. eh. a tough day anyway so what's going on with your guys' personal life I don't even know. I don't know what's happened with me since the last time we recorded. Not much. I've been I've been stuck in the grind. Like work's been a little busy. Um, 
So nothing exciting there. What do I have coming up? Uh, this weekend, I'm going up to Fredericksburg just for shits and giggles, really. Uh, there's a restaurant up there that I've been wanting to try, and uh, I'm meeting with a, a, a co-worker from when I used to work up in Maryland, and we're going to try it out together. Um, and just reading the reviews, you know, they're they're pretty good with their COVID protocols and keeping people spaced out and all that jazz. So, you know, as safe as you can be and still going out and being a little bit social, we're going to give that a try. Um, yeah, other than that. That's about it. Oh, so I've I've made really good friends with a couple of people that live full time in Outer Banks, North Carolina, and man, I think that's going to pay dividends. Not just because, like you know, opportunities to go down to the beach whenever, uh, but they're just the coolest freaking people. Uh, so, and I haven't been adding a lot of people to my friends category. Like I've been very super picky about who I bring in in my circle, but like these couple of folks that I'm adding to my circle, it's more than worth it. I mean, if you think about the type of personality of a person that says, screw it, I'm going to go live at the beach year round. Um, they're just cool people. And uh, yeah, so still kind of new within the first few weeks to a month of really getting to know these folks. But every time we've hung out, it's been fantastic. Like they've come up here. I've gone down there just, amazing people so yeah i guess i got all that happening that's a lot cool Um, so you're at the end of a quarter so of course i'm busting butts trying to help kids get their grades to a place where they are reasonable where they're passing (laughs) because you know how kids are they wait till last minute they procrastinate watching youtube videos all day and then they're like, oh, yeah, we have this thing called school that we're supposed to be paying attention to. All right, Mr. P, what do I need to do to get a B? What do I need to do to get a C? <laughs> Am I really going to fail this class? <laughs> so Please don't call my mom. <laughs> exactly. And then, like, there's all the meaningless meetings. Like, we've had so much about this new hybrid model and concurrent teaching and all of this stuff. I'm like, when are we really going back? Like, that's what I want to, I want to know is what we're doing at all relevant. Like, give me some information to go off of so that I have a reason to care about what we're doing. And all you hear is, well, if we come back in February or March, then we should probably know this. But, you know, even if it's April, then it'll be good information. I'm like, y'all have no clue. That's cool. We should just be going year for the rest of the year, call it virtual, let us plan out the rest of our year, and then start fresh in September. But that's one person's opinion. And then, of course, I, go ahead. I would say I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh, not not to jump on your personal time here, but uh, on the work side of things, you know, I told you all before I worked for the federal government. And things that have been put out to us recently, um, just read in between the lines, uh, there is no rush to get any of our people back into the office. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. I think they're going to push very hard in certain agencies, folks that have been able to maintain the standard working virtually and everything, they're, they're, they're trying to keep them that way permanently. I don't know. So yeah. just the overall... And I've been following stuff with my kids in school and everything, and in Virginia is, 
and they're unique. That's for sure. But I don't, I don't think we're going back anytime soon. I don't know. Like I, there's such a huge push. I mean, there's been conversation about our elementary teachers going back in the next couple of weeks. There, we're really banking on the new Department of Ed and administrators to come in whenever they get put in place and then saying, hey, no, you can't do this. But right now our governor is like pushing to have us return in person. So yeah, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it, my, my, my dad recently retired in December and um, he started his new job two weeks ago being a professor in a local university and he's teaching one class. And, um, he said, uh, the first day of class, he told his students to turn the cam, turn on their cameras like three times, not a single one turned them on. So I guess he's, he's learning how to teach in this world. <laughs> okay. I, oh, like you and I are going to talk offline. I want to audit one of your dad's classes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to learn from him some more. And then yeah. um, you got the, the, the most obvious, I came, I'm here in Charlotte, I'm visiting with Chanel. She's in another room, so I can say this quietly, but had a nice long conversation with her father last night. So I appreciate everybody's patience and I got the, the go ahead. So now I got some planning to do. So I'm, I'm open to suggestions <laughs> on, on how to do a good uh, proposal, so. I know she's not listening right now. By the time she hears this, it'll be months down the road and it'll already have happened. So I'm gonna let Discord answer you on a later date. You do not want my uh -huh. advice on stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I'll, I did I'll not do anything Alan, right. Alex to like do a yeah, my no, my yeah, I could do a poll or something, but my my proposal story was not that that great. I mean, it was nice. We went to like a romantic spot, but the funny thing about it was I picked out this really nice romantic spot where I told her to meet me at. So I was going to do a proposal, and I got down there, and there's all the is is at a pier, um, a public pier. Well, it's, it's public, but no one ever goes there. Kind of like one of those things. And I get down there, and the pier is full of balloons. Like someone had come down there, decorated, it, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I go out there and there's a kid standing there and I was like, what's going on, man? He's like, yo, I'm about to ask my girl to prom. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, this is awkward now. <laughs> like, well, I'm about to ask my, my, my girlfriend to marry me. Can you move out of the way kid? Like, <laughs> by the way, here's $5. Let me get them balloons. <laughs> so no, you left them like, so great, great thing about it was that she showed up. They did their whole thing, and I waited in my car. They left like five minutes before my wife showed up, and I was like, the balloons were all still there. I was like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I did all this extra stuff. <laughs> anyway. It's meant to be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I was a little worried for a little bit. I'm like, ah, prom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm more important than you, but right now it is. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway. I, I do have an idea, but that may be a little cliche. We'll see. Okay. I, so I think there's yeah. a good chance if you trust your instincts, you'll be all right, Chris. You're a really good dude. Uh, so I, I think you're going to do all right. Well, you know, we made our halfway mark, Crabtree Fall. So I was like, maybe we'll make the full mark. And then at the top, Ooh, that would be 
That'd be kind of cool. Our spy rock's really pretty. That's a long hike. You'll be all sweaty and everything. But yeah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Have either of you been out to the falls? Have either of y'all been out to the falls when they freeze? No. Oh man. No. So, like, if you considered something like that, uh, don't plan on going very far because it is a much more difficult walk. But you yeah. don't have to go that far to really appreciate the beauty of it. Oh my goodness! When they start freezing over, it just man. Yeah, we'll have to do that again. But I'm thinking maybe sometime like May where it's warmer and we can don't have to worry so much about the cold or slipping and stuff like that. So yeah. we'll see. Cool. I'm excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> if you need someone to hide in the bushes and like videotape it, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to nominate Ian for that because I can't. I was going to say you need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hike it by 20 minutes of the other waiting on us. <laughs> you end up with just a video of me falling asleep and snoring, totally missing everything. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I tried. <laughs> Anyways, so let's go into predictions because we had a few from last week. Um, so one is that Matt can channel. That was one because um, of the, 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 him, his ability to to beat uh, Galad and, uh, and Gawain up. And let's see, Matt uh, will act like an old man to get out was one prediction. Um, the girls are going to tear. Um, that was a prediction as well. And then um, Ian is going to actually uh, give up his dating to be with Lanfear. I'm still down with that. Waiting on the phone call though, or it's I guess she could find me in my dreams. Like I still don't know exactly how this works, but I guess the ball's in the ball's in her court. Mm-hmm. She knows. Yeah. She knows. She knows. She knows. I'm willing. Okay. Well, I guess we can kind of drop the majority of those after these two chapters. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can. But they're predictions from last chapter. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were quickly resolved. Yes, which is weird. We normally have to wait half a book. But right. yeah. We'll hold on to yeah. one for weeks and weeks. I'm still holding weeks. on to the mat being able to channel. I'm gonna hold on to that one for a little while longer, but Okay. That so that one simmered for me for a while and now I'm like I even started thinking, like I'm just driving into work the other day. It's crazy how this happens. I'm driving into work listening to a freaking Kroger commercial and I just go, Oh my gosh, and I turn the radio off and I'm talking to myself and I'm like what if everybody has the ability to channel? Everybody and every living thing has the ability to channel. It's just some are a little bit more in tune with it. But what if anybody could, if they were taught properly or you know made that connection properly? And the and the way the magic air quotes magic system kind of works here, like that that makes sense. You know, everybody's kind of part of the living force. Metachlorians are everywhere. It makes up everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, sure. I'm going to hold on to that one, too. I like it. Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's move on to the chapter. Uh, so that's chapter 27, Teleron Riyadh, which uh, the icon's the dream ring, that, that the twisting ring uh, that they used to sleep to go to Teleron Riyadh, the world of dreams. And we start with Egwene in her room, and the three girls are there. Um, are, yeah, they just gathered after working the kitchens. 
and they're suspicious of everyone, including the Armelin and every everybody. You know, why isn't the Armelin come and seen them yet or talked to them? And everything just everyone's sus. So let's let's start there. So Alan, um, you stole my line. I was going to open with everybody's sus, and you already said that. So you can edit. Hard. So the power of editing is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, do you have anything deeper than everybody sus? <laughs> well, not really. I mean, that was kind of like the the uh, the entirety of the first seven or eight paragraphs. It's just everybody was showing up asking questions that people shouldn't be asking. And why are they asking these questions? And why are they even bothering with us? And why are that? Why are we so important all of a sudden? And yeah. It's like yeah, Baron it, came, and this person came, and that other person came. Yeah, I, I didn't take notes on this, but I guess to to the point, we've said it before, Jordan has this way of writing where like he'll string you along to get you to feel what some of the characters are feeling. And, and again, even in like the opening couple pages here, in his descriptions and everything, you know, the, the frustrations the girls are feeling, it's all making sense, you know. Can't trust anyone. Haven't been able to report to anyone. You know, as we find out moving forward, we know there's a trap, but we kind of feel like we have to go there anyway sort of thing, but they're on their own. They don't have anybody to find it. Like all this frustration's building up. And as the reader, I'm feeling that also. So, you know, kudos. I didn't really take a solid note until uh, we hit Elaine talking about, you know, possibly being a green Aja also. Uh, and then who, who better for a uh, prince consort of Andor than a warder, unless it is dot, dot, dot. She trailed off blushing. And then immediately Egwene felt a pang of jealousy. So I got excited about their little. <laughs> exchange. Well, so I will go back and I'll say like, it was, it spiked my curiosity it's so like Varen had come into the kitchen after midday meal, blinking as if she weren't sure why she was there. And she saw Gwaine and the other two on their knees, the cauldron and kettle. And she looked surprised for a moment, then walked over and asked loud enough for anyone to hear, have you found anything? So why, why the surprise? Why the moment of hesitation? Why the confusion? Why speak to them in earshot of other people? Like I, had the, I had the same. Care. I had the same question mark for you guys. <laughs> it's oh, almost like she's been manipulated and controlled. Bingo. But the other thought was that she really that ditzy. Like she gets so lost in her own thought that she ends up walking into a room where there's other people, and she's like, "Oh, well, that's right. I had questions for them anyway. So since I'm here, maybe I'll just go ahead and ask." Also, bingo. <laughs> so those are the two train of thoughts uh i was on and it, it kind of carries over from me joking on the browns specifically varon in the last episode but uh it's possible she's getting converted if that's what we want to call it you know we, we've already learned that really anybody that can channel is susceptible to being turned um you know i'm assuming it's not just the dragon reborn that they're after and trying to turn uh they've been able to turn all of these um different eyes to die 
you know, maybe some were more willing than others anyways. Uh, and then what's her face? The girl that brought the message and then disappeared. Oh, yeah. The other girl. Elsa? From, yeah, I don't remember. Was it Elsa? Elsie? Elsa? Yeah, something like that. She was a country bumpkin girl. Yeah. Anyway, so like you know, I, I absolutely the get bar. the feeling that she was turned, and so maybe whoever's going around turning these folks is turning Baron also. Um, then you also got like Elida, and you got Sherry, and they're all just kind of there, just in the moment. It kind of makes you wonder, like, what special powers does the um, Amaranth see kind of wield over the women? Maybe they're coming and asking questions wasn't of their own fruition. Maybe she had some type of control over them and she was using them to ask the questions. Yeah. Com- compelling. Know. Yeah, kind of compulsion. Okay. So that's something we haven't, the compelling and the healing, we haven't really had enough info on how that works or like to what extent. So those are two things I always come back to. Like, you know, how, how good can any one person be at either of those things? Well, I was going to say the vampire. Yeah. So the other thing with um, Varen is there's still the possibility because of that personality of the Brown and just exploring knowledge and seeing how far down the rabbit hole goes. It is entirely possible that Varen was chilling in her study and she's like, all right, I've already read this manuscript three times and I didn't get anything out of it. Maybe this time I'll lick a toad and then read it and see if it hits different (laughs) and then she did that so maybe she's just tripping to try and find a deeper knowledge you you can't write that off when it comes to people like that interesting yeah or black gosh i don't know i don't know all right yeah sus anyway so a bunch of eyes that like you mentioned had been coming in and seeing them and then that's when elaine starts talking about how she might change screen because i think uh was it alana came in as well and She's with Green Aja. And, yeah. And then they start talking about Rand. So that's all with the stuff that Ian had talked about. It's so. interesting. So <clears throat> when we first found out about Green Aja taking multiple warders or whatever, like, I guess, uh, and I don't even know if it was this book or the last one. Maybe it was whatever. But I was thinking, oh, they're Green Aja. They're the one that like to get down and dirty. They like men. Yeah. Giggity, giggity. Right. But then we find out very briefly with Egwene's conversation with, who was it when she came out? I think it was Alana. Alana. And mm-hmm. we got the better explanation be like, no, I mean, it's not just that. It's like, we're the, we're the freaking warriors. We're the ones that go kick ass and take names. So yeah, when we're doing that, we want multiple warders and all that. So but obviously Elaine doesn't have that perspective yet because she's still thinking about it very much from a romantic perspective. At least that's the vibe I get here. And maybe that's part of it too, but you know, it's, I don't know. I agree with you. And then they get ready for go to sleep. So at the next scene is Gwen putting on the ring on a leather cord. Nynaeve suggests that they both should go. Maybe it'll work if they both touch it at the same time. Uh, I think we brought that up previously, what happens. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll pause for laughter. Yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah. Uh, are you going to be, you're not going to do it tonight? All right. So and then Queen convinces, uh, um, convinces them that, you know, that 
that they need to stay and in, in, in be on guard for in case a gray man comes or something um, that she needs to go alone. So I, I basically won't work for two people. Like she, she had good reasons. She's like, I need people to watch and it may not work for two. So if we try it with two, we may be wasting time. Right. They know it works for one. Their time's precious. Let me just go. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty smart rationale by Gwen. Yeah. She's broken down to the simplest. This is what we know. We're not going to bother dabbling with what we don't know because we don't have time for that shit. And also, if I'm asleep and some gray man pops up, it'd kind of be nice if there were two people here, but not just two people, but especially Nynaeve available mm-hmm. to kick ass and take names. So, yeah. good logic. I, I mean, yeah. I like it. All right. So, before we fall asleep, anything from all this first part of the chapter you guys want to talk about? Nah, anything else? Okay, cool. I felt well, like okay. in reading these chapters, I was like, "Man, eh, there's really not much here. Like, there's a lot here, but there's not much here." Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's weird how sometimes the story can really move along, but there's not a whole lot of ooh ah ah. Uh, let's talk about you know the metaphors here and the literary reference <laughs> there. No, just mm-hmm. we just kind of move the page. The pacing does ebb and flow quite, like, almost on a pattern. Um, almost like time. What did you say? I said almost like time. Yep. So relative. I would say the exactly. cool thing about these, though, is we've had chapters where I've almost complained about, where I'm like, well, Jordan could have totally left these out. I got nothing out of it. Uh, but I actually enjoyed these. It's just, you know, it's maybe it wasn't as dense with really powerful material. Yeah, not a lot of action, but there actually is a lot of nuggets. Yeah, good nuggets. Yeah. Good nuggets. So, so Gwen falls asleep, and she wakes up in a field, and there's butterflies, and it's pretty, and everything's peaceful and calm. And she's like, this is it. This is the dangerous place that they told me about. It doesn't look dangerous to me. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, that reminds me of the, of the first time I broke into jail. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was a joke. So. No, hundred <laughs> percent broken. <laughs> to break the law. Uh, yeah. oh. uh, anyways, so uh, no, we I mean, to tell the story. So yeah, I, I, can't stop. I, I, like, I, I think this. I think statute. I think at this point, statute of limitations is over. There's no way that we could be arrested for what we did. And yeah. plus, the jail is now closed down. So. Well, that's doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. So, so yeah. So where we live, we live in actually a pretty suburban area that has no farm life at all. There's actually no ag- agriculture in the city that we live in. Um, there is across the anymore. There is across the water. It's a little bit of a drive to get out there, but we do have we we or we used to have a local city jail called the City Farm, <laughs> and it was an actual farm. It was a jail. Uh, for 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 small crimes where they actually had cows and it was a farm and you if you yeah. non violent crimes they would put non violent crimes and they'd put people there and they could work a farm it was kind of weird I don't I, I, it it was a really looking back I've, it was a really bizarre <laughs> kind of jail but the city farm uh, it was a jail it was guarded but they had cows so of course us as high schoolers um, we always heard and wanted to go try cow tipping but there were no 
cows close by except for in jail. So logically, if we're going to go cow tipping, we have to break into jail. <laughs> hey, real, real quick, I know I know we have some people that are gasping right now and they're rather pissed. So two things: one, would never do it again. Uh, but two, more importantly, we were unsuccessful. Cows are so fucking big. Like, well, it's not only only were we unsuccessful at cow tipping. The first pen we jumped into was the bullpen, and it wasn't yeah. cows. <laughs> <laughs> and we ran for our lives. They, they charged back. No, we started sneaking up into it. Then we saw the horns and we're like, oh crap, wrong pin. And we just, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, it was like we could break into the jail during daylight to figure out like what, where everything was. I just saw a large form. I was like, there's the cow pasture. Let's go in there. No, that's the bull. Crap. I don't know if you know this or not, but like bulls actually have the ability to smile. Like when they know you done did fucked up, they'll give you this little shitty grin right before they charge. Man, <laughs> terrified. And then it was it was either muddy or there were cow patties. But I, I like slip and fall. I look up and everybody else is already jumping over the fence to get out. And I hear the man. It was it was crazy. But so I guess the point being, when I first when we first broke into jail and we're walking around, it just didn't seem that bad. You know, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty little pasture and pretty cows over there sleeping. Let me go pet this pretty little cow. You. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was very entertaining because uh, I've been in a pit with a bull. That is not fun. <laughs> you got to think that, Alan. I'm willing to bet that they have video cameras all they around. Or had. Oh, I'm, I, I'm bet sure you, I bet you. I bet you. I bet you they watched it go down, and they were like, "All right, if it gets out of hand, we'll go out there." But I think. I think old Billy the Bull about to go mess him up. <laughs> Should we stop this? Nah, let's watch. <laughs> that one just face planted in cow shit. <laughs> yeah. The, the cow's fun. We lost. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. That was good times. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> so there. Oh. A beautiful pasture, butterflies everywhere. Um, it's safe. And um, she takes a step, and then she's in an inn. Um, and she she knows for some reason it's an inn, even though there's really nothing to show it's an inn. It's kind of a hallway with doors. And she walks down, and one of the doors opens up, and there's a big dog lying there and, and a man chained up. And we figure out who it is. But what do you guys think about all this? Well, before we even get that far... Like, she knew where she, she was going into the, the unseen world, the world of dreams, and her thoughts were of, like, Rand, are you all right, parents? Who was she? Sleep came. So, I don't know if, like, her questioning before sleep kind of helped her tune into what she was looking for. Hmm. So like, like, I don't, like, I'm not quite sure how the, the Angreal or the Tangreal is supposed to work. But, you know, as she said, the, the ring seemed to weigh as much as a brick now and thoughts of home and quiet pools of water all slid apart with remembrance of it. And it's it of the unseen world, the world of dreams, waiting just, and then I need began to hum softly and the gleam started to drift and thinking about the guys. And then she ends up really in her dream and she knows that she's there. 
because it was too perfect. So yeah. Well, I I don't know. In in your warm up here, Alan, to the realizing she's in the end, did you mention that she did the little test to see if she can channel? Because I that that was one of the first things I circled I did, highlighted. I did yeah. not mention that, but yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, which you know, good to know. We we had different, um, you know, when they when they were raised to the accepted, and they were told you can't channel, and I'm, I know this is different, but maybe not so different or whatever. I, I think that's a significant point. So, just want to put a little asterisk on that. Okay. I did exactly the same thing. I had the exact same thought. Part of me was like, well, it's her dream. So she should be able to do whatever she wants. But then again, is it really her dream or just her, you know, phasing into everybody else's dreams? And should she be able to manipulate and control the power in everybody else's dreams? Uh, You know. And with it being the dream world, is it really the same power or is it just I don't know is it all just make believe but if it can hurt you then it's gotta be so it just yeah. shows that connection to the real world is that much stronger hmm. good questions so fast, and fa- fast forward to the end um, what do you guys think about all that how deep in the end are we getting? Just like the initial, we're in and in. Or are we talking no. about the whole end sequence? We're talking about the whole end sequence. Fucking hey! So, so much coming together here. We already learned about how the wolves kind of like. Oh, I don't even know what the word of. They don't own this space, but like they thrive in this space, right? Like they're yeah. This is this, the wolf dream. Is they're very. Right, very comfortable in this world sort of thing. Uh, and then we still have our wolf that in the real world is dead, right? But is still chilling in the dream world. Or may, I'm not imagining that, right? No, you're not. That's exactly what we are. Okay. And then, you know, parents still kind of chilling here. I guess because he's wolfy, he's easy in, easy out. Right, I don't know, man. I I don't have this. So th- this is one of those scenarios where I don't have answers. I also don't have more questions. I just have a lot of oohs and ahs. Like, mm. ah, well, see, and I I started to realize right here in this moment that she wasn't. She was, but she wasn't a Gwen. Mm. Oh, hit me with it change between different dreams it's like here she was the innkeeper's daughter she was sure of oh. so it's as if she entered into the mind of the innkeeper's daughter because the innkeeper's daughter was asleep and she visited Heron and his dream through the innkeeper like she opened doors like she had to find a level of connectivity and maybe Heron was too far away, so she had to jump from one dream to another dream to another dream based on maybe distance, maybe based on how powerful the person is in the power. 
-hmm. And I say this as we we read on, like this is one where, like I said, she jumped into the innkeeper's daughter. And okay. then she entered into the room um, that was bare and cold, the windows open, and she saw the shaggy-tailed dog and Perrin. Yeah. And she knew it was Perrin. But, yeah. yeah. But, then, but then again, Egwene is an innkeeper's daughter. Uh, the mayor of Emmonsfield is her father, who was the innkeeper at the White Spring Inn back at Evansfield. Yeah, but... So I, I had those... All right, so not only do I not think you're crazy, but I like that you said it because at least right now I don't feel totally crazy. Like I was I was wondering to myself, like, is is this place, is it some sort of plane that you just you you enter into it and you're your own unique being? Or kind of like what you're suggesting it's own I don't want to say possession, but like Egwene seems to be sliding into uh, some other body. Because I mean, it says she was Anne, not the. Like we know she's an innkeeper's daughter, but yeah. this didn't say like she was in her father's inn. Mm -hmm. It says she is an innkeeper's daughter. She was sure it it was an inn, not. She was in her father's. I mean, it yeah. it could just be that Jordan was being sloppy in his writing, but I I think I know better at this point. He is no. very picky with his with his verbiage. Yeah, yeah. And these are dreams too, so keep that in mind. That if they're dreams, but all right, they're dreams <laughs> where you could actually get hurt if you get hurt in the dream. Sure, like there's there's crossovers into the physical world. So what? Well, what we're talking about, what Chris is talking about, might not actually come into play or matter at some point it's definitely as i'm reading this and again it, we're reading at our slow pace so we get to stare at this stuff and really dig into it i had the same thought you know how are we what is, is in this world you know what i'm saying and then with yeah. this interaction with parent sorry to cut you off there you're good with the interaction with parent it, it almost makes it look as if he's accepted the help that he was receiving from Hopper, like full yeah. on. The last time we were in a dream with him, he was flat out rejecting Hopper. And Hopper yeah. just happened the last minute to be able to save him. And now he's like sleeping with Hopper, chilling in the room. So I didn't even yeah. think of that. But then you got to wonder how their timelines are lining up, you know, for. At the same point. Right. In time. Yeah. And yeah. And of course, this scene ends with Hopper about to attack Egwene, and Perrin yells at Hopper, and the door shuts. But wait a minute. How does Hopper? That's nah, bullshit. Hopper knows who Egwene is. Because yeah, remember, I guess. The White yeah, they... when, when mm -hmm. Hopper actually died, and when Perrin, like, went beast mode and chops a white cloaks up. Egwene was there and they do the whole sensing in the mind, hive mindish sort of thing. There's no sure. way. So the only point I'll get to that is when we get to the next scene, I'll kind of go back maybe a little bit because what Rand talk, talks about it, 
maybe hop, you know, it's hard to know whether it's, they're real because it's a dream. And maybe that, maybe again, maybe she didn't look like Egwene. Maybe she didn't smell like Egwene. Maybe it's just her statements that kind of brought Perrin to realizing, oh, this could be Egwene. See, that actually lends more to what you were saying, Chris. I know. Uh-huh. I think I might be making something out of it because I want to. But if mm-hmm. what I'm saying holds true, then Hopper just reacted instinctually. Here's somebody coming in that shouldn't be here. And right. then Perrin's like listening. He's like, oh, wait. Oh, no. Egwene. But at that point, she's gone. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, the door shuts and she's now outside. And there's a campfire. So we come to our next our next character who's by the campfire. She she actually is really hesitant to approach. She she feels like it's wrong, like something's wrong about it. Uh, she's worried that, you know, who it might be. So she approaches the campfire very slowly. And it's Rand. It says, the only one there was a tall young man sitting and staring at the flames. Rand. Those flames did not burn wood. They did not burn anything that she could see. The fire danced above a bare patch of ground. She did not think they were even scorched the earth. So Rand is clearly channeling his own little fire here in the dreamscape, which I don't know if that's indicative of what he's doing now. Maybe he's starting to really learn to control his power much more than we realize. Mm-hmm. He was smoking the ganja, smoking the ganja. Oh yeah, he was smoking his pipe, <laughs> which she was surprised about because he's not a pipe smoker. Wasn't he? Wasn't, wasn't. <laughs> he's allowed to be his own man and try new things. He didn't need her permission, and vice versa. Yeah, Come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah she thought she was sneaking up, and he was like, "He rustled enough leaves to wake the dead, so you might as well show yourself." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when she steps out, like, what do you think about Rand's reaction? Because like, he jumps up and like immediately starts yelling at her. Yeah, yeah actually, not yelling at her, yelling off into like the like the air. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you all have ever had episodes of seeing things and hearing voices, uh, but when it builds up on you, it actually gets very difficult to know what's real and what isn't. And that's where therapy and antipsychotics come into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, have I had those moments? I've, I've had some <laughs> lucid dream moments. <laughs> I've had some days where I've, I've heard my own voices and had my own demons. So I definitely can imagine the place that he's in. And the fact that he has a realization that this is a dream is kind of huge. Because he yeah. jumps up, and she's like, hey, it's just a dream. And he's like, almost like, bitch, I know it's a dream, but the same shit that happens in a dream is just as real to us. The direct quote is, I know that makes it no less real. Do you think, I don't know it's a dream. I know that makes it no less real. And then he says, how long will you try? He shouted at the night. How many faces will you send? My mother, my father, now her. Pretty girls won't tempt me with a kiss. Not even one I know. I deny you, father of lies. 
So apparently in his dreams, other people have come, his mother and his father, and they try to kill him. So he's just thinking Egwene is another one of these apparitions or something being sent by the Dark One to attack him. So back to the whole thing with Hopper, you know, like if these things can, apparitions can happen in the dream, then maybe that's why Hopper reacted to the same thing. Because he doesn't know. So maybe Hopper has to assume that the Dark One is sending somebody to Perrin that Perrin would be familiar with, but it's actually still a ballsy friend or the Dark One or something. And Or there could be other things that walk okay. through dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. That does make sense now. Mm. I'm just trying to give Hopper some credit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I just, I guess I hope for more for Hopper. You know, I thought Hopper would be the one that would be like, no, I know what's going on here. I could, this is the real one. Perrin, you could trust this one. This is for real. <laughs> um, one would hope that I agree with you. Truthfully, though, <laughs> that actually adds to the chaos of it. Uh, because I, I, I do give that much credit to a being like Hopper to be able to sense that. But the fact that Hopper is that defensive, it, I guess it kind of, um, you know, shows the chaos that exists here. And boy, I wonder, I wonder if this is a nod to what Egwene might be able to do in the future. Cause right now Egwene's just kind of traveling through as herself. But what we're seeing here is between Hopper being super defensive and Rand, the way he's being defensive, there's beings that have traveled in to this world and visited Rand. Uh, And they've pretended to be something that they're not. Or maybe... So, like, will Egwene have the ability to change the way she looks can she go into this dreamscape and pretend to be somebody else in order to get what she wants influence somebody something like that i don't know maybe sure it's other so the bad guys the bad guys i guess my point is the bad guys are doing it so why (laughs) if she's supposed to be this dream skipping doodah lady with a ring that's too big yeah, or too small. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so what do you guys think about Rand's psyche right now? Or, you know, obviously he's super distrustful and just kind of he's jumpy. paranoid. Yes. Let's just use the word. He is outright paranoid. And even with statements like, you are going to listen to me, Rand Althor, if I have to sit on your face, I mean, sit on you. <laughs> That's exactly how I read it, bro. I <laughs> anyway, you would think it would kind of help him snap too, but he's so distrustful now. Like he, he's, we haven't seen him go through that much. He's clearly gone through more that we just haven't been able to read about yet. And he just, he doesn't see any purpose in interacting with anything or anyone in the dream, even if there's the possibility that he could be wrong. He's just like, you know, let me be, I have goals to accomplish and you're just in the way. Yeah. 
even even as Egwene tries to like you know bully him down he pulls out a sword of fire and she immediately tries to channel and wrap him in air but he breaks you know he actually just breaks the channeling like yeah like it's nothing I'm wondering how much this can do in the real world well I'm sure something like that is going to have some effect on both of them it's no small thing what either one of them did you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, so I, I found myself for a brief second, like as I'm reading through this and Egwene does her stubborn, let me call him a wool headed idiot and stomp my feet. Um, so I, I'm not, obviously I don't have experience with anything like this, uh, cause this is fiction, right? Uh, but I, I have had experience with, uh, a close friend um, post deployment that just got wildly uh, paranoid is part of his PTSD, and and that was also influenced because he was dabbling with drugs and whatnot. But um, there's a certain line that somebody in that scenario crosses in, 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 into the extreme paranoia that is super dangerous because there is nothing you can do any amount of reason or reasoning to bring them back because no matter how familiar familiar you are to them and no matter what logic you try to drop they just see it as something clever that somebody that wants to hurt them is using against them if that makes sense right Mm -hmm. So like, I obviously in this little bit of reading what, what's going on through Rand's head, I'm sitting there going, shit, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of crossed that point. He either needs to find a way to bring himself back or somebody with, you know, some sort of healing power needs to be able to bring him back. But the, this isn't the point where you like shaping, shake him and go, hey, snap out of it, Rand. Like, no, that's, you're just going to make it worse at this point. So... I know Egwene was trying to help, but uh, by the end of this little sequence, she she might have made it worse. She might have given Rand more reason to believe in his paranoia. All right. So then she, she like she dips out. Yeah, yeah. She she dips out right when he's like about to kill her, and he she she, she flees. She fled. She fled. She fled, and she's back in the field. And she's like the dark one is still after Rand. I knew that already. That maybe the dark one wanted to kill him. That's different. Unless maybe he's gone mad already and doesn't know what he is saying. So like I guess and it's the truth. When we left Rand, the dark one was just after Rand. There was no intent to really kill. It was more like capture, but kill if you really have to. And now based on Rand's paranoia, he's just straight out out to kill him. Yeah. And, Which leads yeah, to the question, is he just afraid now because Rand is coming into himself so much more that he feels like he might as well kill him because he'd be better off with Rand dead because he can control him better then? Yeah, hmm. how, how egotistical... How self-centered, how full of her freaking self is she? He is she? <laughs> she he? <laughs> uh, well, 
The only way to help him now is to jettle him or uh, or kill him. Or how about there's another way that you just don't freaking know about? Like, why? How lame is, you know, I had a moment there where I was like, ew, that jerk. Like, towards Egwene. Like, I get that she just saw this, like, crazy stuff going on with Rand. But Rand is clearly somebody she cares about a whole bunch. But she saw that, she witnessed all that, and then her first thoughts are, well... The only options are to gentle him or to kill him. And she felt very confident about that. I mean, I know she said, I'll never do that. Never. But like, that's like the only place her mind could go at this. And I I guess what bothers me is at this point of the story, they've all had uh, time and time again, they've expanded their knowledge, not only of what they know, but of knowing that there's things that they don't know. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, why does she have at this point? Why is there no faith from Egwene that, uh, all right, I, I clearly love this guy. Uh, don't want anything bad to happen happen to him. I know he's in a shitty place. I need to go find out more info. I need to go find out something else that can help him. Her mind doesn't go there. It's gentle him or kill him. What yeah. is that shit? That's- I mean, it might. It still also might be her. She's dramatized because you, you have to remember the timeline of this. Like, what was it? Yesterday or like two days ago? She went through her accepting testing, where all that crap with Rand and and the future of Rand and all that stuff, where she might have stuff fresh in her mind about the fate. I'm just trying to play. <laughs> <laughs> I get your point. <laughs> I concede. I mean, if this was earlier on in their adventure and they were naive to the point that they had no way of knowing that there there were other ways and other things and other beings and other limits to what could be in this world, I guess if it was early on, I'd understand it more. But at this point, like she's more willing to do research to figure out had a dream properly than she is to do research to figure out how to save Rand. It's like gentle him or kill him. No, go find another fucking book. You know, read into something. Go go talk to wait, who are those people that eventually Rand's gonna go unite? Over Aiel. Yeah, they are, yeah, go talk to the freaking Aiel. Go don't just sell your friend out and be like, I'm gonna just I love you. I'm just gonna have to kill you. They'd be like They'd be like Alan. They'd be like me and you mm-hmm. going to Taco Bell, and I'm like, "Hey, let me get a crunch wrap." And then you go, "Yeah, let me get a crunch wrap, but no meat. I just want beans." And then I go, hmm, "I'm gonna just have to kill this dude." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the I, I, way I, he's doing it is just wrong. I gotta that that, that is justifiable. If I got a crunch wrap with beans rather than yeah, come on. I mean, at least good chicken. And that chicken's not good. Say, <laughs> I want the chicken around that, but no meat. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. I'm gonna have to gentle him. <laughs> gonna take him out, take him out back, <laughs> put him down. All right. Well, so, I think again, this has to do with also her traveling into her own mind as she was going through the trials. Like she's kind of seen what you know could it be, what should be, and what will be, and she mm-hmm. realizes she's already given Rand yeah. up for the greater good. Yeah. So imagine Egwene sitting around a table with her best buddies and they're playing a little D&D 
and they just it's not even like they come up to this giant boss that they're clearly going to get destroyed by. It's just like one of the party members, we'll call the party member Rand. And Rand just kind of steps off in one direction by himself, just far enough. And they're like, oh, some obstacle, right? Um, Ran into blah, 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 minefield. I'm making this shit up, right? And Egwene just goes, well... I guess we'll just leave him for dead. And then Rand's over there going, now, wait a minute. There must be like some side quest you can do and maybe save me. And Gwen's like, no, 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 you just, I guess you're going to die. And he's like, well, you can at least try. I mean, it's low probability, but roll the fucking dice. Like maybe you save me. And Gwen's like, no, we're going to gentle you or kill you. Like that's it. I just, I'm not even going to try. That's, I guess that's the point I'm getting at. Yeah. Even if yeah. there was a low probability event, he's one of your party members. Like it's, gotta go forth as a team you don't just give up on him Egwene's an asshole here yes thank you okay <laughs> right. and you can and and chris i get what you're saying about oh but she's kind of in and out of the dream thing that's almost worse because this is the subconscious this is the base motives that are gonna come out in those moments and she yeah, said gentle earlier. i think that after her going through her trial she brought some of that other self back with her so she realizes she doesn't have much of a choice. Like she's even given up on being his woman already. Oh. Did you not oh. like back when uh oh, her name E um Elaine. Elaine, thank you. When Elaine was talking about it, she was like, Well, pretty much you can have him. <laughs> I gave up on him. I'm I'm not so much concerned about him anymore. Okay, I see yeah. what you're saying. Oof, so this is just another example of her kind of letting go. Yeah, she's making more mm. executive, Amberlynn like decisions. Mm. What a jerk. The man on this Tangriel, like, take me where I need to be. Yeah. Do yeah, it. That's, take me that, where I need to be. Yeah, do it. She gets frustrated, closes her eyes, uh, starts to channel. Yeah, tells her to take her where, where she wants to be, and someone answers. Um, someone actually answers her, and she opens her well, eyes. You and found she's, your way at last, child. All sorts of answers here. Mm-hmm. And then she's in a room with red columns and a crystal sword floating, just kind of circling around. So, and there's an old woman there, whose name's Sylvie. Ugly did not begin to describe her. She had a bony pointed chin and even bonier, sharper nose. And it seemed there were more warts growing hairs on her face than there was face. <laughs> that was like the best descriptor of the whole book. It just made me laugh so much. She sounds hot. Oh, yeah. I totally, <laughs> totally put a bag over her face. Watch this be like the real version of Landfear that I'm all sweating over here. Uh, that right there kind of crossed my mind for a moment. Like, what does Landfear really look like once you break down her charm? And yeah, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah. Hey, did you get a little uh, uh, Hansel and Gretel feel from this I'm little bit here? Hmm? Right. Yeah, it's a little off to me. I'll like that's. That with you. That's what, like almost a uh, too good be 
to be true. Like I need this. I need, I like I'm in a moment of need and you show up and there's this really effed up looking haggity old witch that is trying to be super nice to you. Like, Oh, you've come to the right place. Yeah. Come on in here. Let me help you out. Just, you know, lean over and look in the oven at what I'm cooking. Push. Yeah. You know, like, I I got some backwards real quick. I agree with you. There's some vibes going backwards real quick. Um, Egwene quickly realized that this is the same sword that Rand had reached out to before in the dream, in the other dream that felt so real. So she's clearly visiting a spot she's been before. But again, we've got this is Sylvie who recognizes Egwene, calls her my lady. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think, is it Egwene? It's who Egwene? Is, is, is Egwene playing Egwene, or is she like inhabiting exactly. some other body? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I feel you. Oh, I feel you really strong here. <laughs> She's like, I served your family faithfully all these years. Does this old face still frighten you? Don't let it, my lady. It serves me when I need it, as good as a prettier. So then that makes you think maybe you're right about your whole land fear thought, but. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, this is taking a whole nother turn now that, like, okay, you've done it again. It's one of those things you put a little <laughs> into my thought process. <laughs> and it's, it's just enough to make me go, huh. Hmm. All right. So. Another thing I came back to here, and I, I've done it again and again, it's trying to understand where they're really at. Like, they're not in the, she's not an actual tier, right? Like, physically, actually there, like, in, by the real sword, but the sword exists in her dreams? She's in the heart of the stone, Heart of the Stone, Whatever but is, that means. is isn't that in tier? That's where the yes. sword is, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but she's in the dreamscape, so she's not really there. She's in hers or somebody's dream or this dreamscape. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I don't know, just confusion. And then I start thinking about what what you talked about for Chris. Like maybe at some point somebody retrieves the sword, but in order to do it with all like the crazy rules on who can do it and when and blah, 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 like it's done through the dreamscape or through somehow reaching through this multiverse thingy. Hmm. Like all these thoughts colliding. I don't know. There's nothing that proves your theory wrong yet. It's really weird. There's another loop. There's another twist that within this dreamscape here, it's guarded by some old haggity witch. Hmm. Um, well, it doesn't necessarily say that it's being guarded. Oh, I'm sus. Her. I'm s- this this old <laughs> haggity witch is totally sus. And she's just a servant. She's an in and out. Is she servant, aka landfear, uh-huh. aka <laughs> super hot? So freaking hot, you would never expect that she's actually the ugliest old hag in the story. Come on, Jordan, you ain't gonna trick me like that, bro. Right. Well, then who is she serving? Like, who who are the high lords being referenced? Hmm? And then, like, is it the Forsaken that she's referencing? Then it wouldn't be Lanfear because she is a Forsaken. Or are oh, there yeah. people higher than the the forsaken that she's referencing 
So like I, I'm there with you on one side, and the other side, I'm like, did we just enter into a realm with a new character? Hmm. Yeah, it could be new. And and to be fair, um, everything about Celine Lanfear, no matter how she's been acting a certain role, I just can't imagine her letting the words coming out of her mouth that she serves somebody else Anyone. or that somebody's a lord or a lady over her. Like, mm. I just don't see that in her character so far. Agreed. This would be new. So maybe you're right. This, you know, new character could yeah. still be new Forsaken. Could mm-hmm. still be new bad guy. Well, and Sylvie's clearly knowledgeable. She's like, plots, all of them pretending to serve the great lord. So she's clearly in awe of whoever the great lord is. And all the while plotting and planning to regain what they lost, each one thinking he or she is the one, only one plotting. Ishmael is a fool. Yeah. So Zaman is a fool. Yeah, I was gonna say that makes her an a much older being. Or an, an older evil, or at least her her knowledge extends further back because remember there's plenty of people that in the current age think that ballsy is the shit like ballsy is the dark one ballsy's the one pulls in, pulling the strings and then she's talking about did she call out Bialzaman or did she call out Ishmael or both Ishmael first Ishmael I'm not saying wrong Ishmael Right. You can call it Ishmael, but you can call me Ishmael. <laughs> they call me Ishmael. Ishi. She's yeah. like calling Ishi out first, right? And then she calls out the shadow, aka Bialzaman. Yeah. And she doesn't give those names the reverence as she does the title, the Great Lord. Bingo. I mean, the fact that she differentiates between all of them is already unique compared to people of this age, I guess. Yeah. She even tempts him to say, or tempts her to say, you know, call them fools because it feels good. And she does, <laughs> and it did. Say it again, Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a girl's night out after a breakup. <laughs> like, go ahead, just. <laughs> Just say that Ian's an asshole. Ian's an <laughs> asshole. Oh, that felt so good. Yay. Oh, we're, bond, we're bonding. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, or, or, it's the, or it's the Dexter me or whatever. <laughs> say it again. Say it again, Dexter. I'm led you from Friendly uh, disposition. Uh, how many of us did that in high school? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah. Um, Calendar is the sword that cannot be touched. We learned a little more about that. Or we get some refreshing slash learn a little bit more about it, I guess. Um, that only the dragon can touch it. That's what the this prophecy says. sword that is not a sword, though they're... Precious few knows what it is, but none can touch it save one. They say, excuse me, they saw to that who put it here. The dragon reborn will hold, is it Kalyandor? Kalyandor. One day and prove to the world that he's the dragon by doing it. 
the first proof anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm a little suspect of the prophecy in general. I feel like there's some holes in it. Um or maybe yeah. I won't say it's flat out wrong, but so Egwene was awesome and that she poked and prodded and she reached out yeah. and she felt and she tried to figure out what's going on here. And she found gaps and she was like, Oh, let me reach into this gap. And then she hit a brick wall and she realized that gap that she couldn't penetrate was the male side. The so this wall is made up of both female and male power. So yeah. no one person can see the whole wall. Bingo. So can Rand or whoever, male or female, dragon, I said I, whatever, can any one individual make it through that protection, that those defenses on their own? And as of right now, I don't think so. Unless, well, I mean, unless there's something about the male side that is just, I don't know. Let me say, well, but that's why we had our our three our um our black Asha trying to take the three, trying to take the women, trying to take the girls, because this would make it appear as if there has to be some type of pairing or coupling there. Hmm. So if we get rid of the women, then. Rand cannot get the sword, so he cannot claim the title of dragon fully. People will not believe him. He will not reach the pentacle of his power. See, we're talking about... All right, you you say his power, but when we talk pentacle, we've already heard references before about way back in the day when male and female worked together how their power was just that much stronger and that much greater. Like they could just do so much more, you know, pre-taint when they can both channel together. And I I think that's what we're starting to look at here, tap into here, because pinnacle of what Rand can do, pinnacle of what Egwene can do, pinnacle of what Nynaeve can do, nothing. Waste of time compared to if they're able to work together and channel together. And maybe, hmm. maybe that's what we're. Well, I agree with that. That's how they're trying to get rid of them. You got to yeah, take yeah. somebody out the picture, and yeah. the men are going to lose it. So it's well, much they're fighting, easier. They're fighting the taint for sure. That makes it difficult. <laughs> exactly, it's much easier to control, manipulate them, and then let them be done with themselves. Eventually, they'll burn themselves out. They're going to die. But these three women only gain in power because their strength is, or their their power is not tainted. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, right as soon as as Egwene's trying to feel her way through this the the barrier, uh, and can't she hears someone approaching, footsteps coming, and Sylvie turns and says, "Oh, you gotta leave now." And Egwene tries to and can't. And so it's like, oh, you don't know the way out. That's unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she goes to like embrace her and pain starts and she wakes up like in sheer pain. (laughs) Which that was interesting. I made note of it, but I didn't make sense of it. Okay. I I feel like this is going to turn out. This could be one of those things like a few chapters or a book from now, I'll look back and go, Oh, I get it. But right now I just, 
I feel like this should be important, but I don't, I'm not connecting any dots. Like how was, how was that able to assist her in getting out? I mean, I know she tried to grab the ring. Are we going to run into some issue where like the ring is now tainted because of who Egwene let touch it in the Mm. dreamscape or, or did this weird old hag actually help her? I, I don't get, I don't really get that feeling. I don't know. Well, I think she broke Egwene's connection, which kind of threw her painfully back into her world. Yeah. Rather than teach Egwene how to use it. In that moment, she probably didn't feel like she could. But then Egwene also will find a harder time getting back to that place. And again, does not know how to get out. So it kind of keeps her where she's at in that sense. So do you think she helped Egwene? Yeah, but I don't know that she realized she was helping Egwene. I think in that moment, she realized, okay, there's something wrong here. But she also sensed the danger that was coming. So she forced Egwene out. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I I don't know. Well, yeah. So Egwene does wake up. And after they calm her down and the pain kind of recedes, um, she tells tells them what what happened, including Pear and and Tear and and all that good stuff. And they decide wait, that... Wait, hold on, she, she left out something. What was it? She, oh, shoot. There was something she left out intentionally. Was It It was something about Perrin, wasn't it? Was it about Perrin or Rand? She didn't tell them about Perrin because they did not know about Perrin yet, and that's Perrin's secret to tell. And that's Perrin's yes. secret to tell. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I underline that, though, again, because... How many times his lack of communication bit us all in the butt? So, I I just underline that like she left out the wolf. That's what she, yeah yeah yeah. She, about, she saw parent, but she didn't mention that there's wolf. Right. She didn't mention parent's power either. She just mentioned that right. she came across him. Right. So we'll see yeah. if that becomes a problem. Probably. And then they they all decide that they they need to go to tier and spring the trap. And they all agree that if the Armalin doesn't come by midday the following day, they're just going to leave without him. <laughs> and Elaine says she needs to send a note to her mother so she doesn't, you know, um, think she just ran off again. Uh, and Nynaeve says, I know the perfect person to send it. And that's how we end the chapter. <laughs> you forgot one important part. Okay, what's that? Uh, Ian. I heard you Are chuckling we- about it. Are we talking about the being ticklish? And about them sharing a bed together? <laughs> giggity, giggity. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my, my giggling actually started when Alan was like, if the Amberlin doesn't come by this time tomorrow, and I went, <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, if it's taking you that long to get her there, you need to read some books or something. I mean, it's, it's really not that hard. North Harbor. Yeah. Anything we missed from this chapter? (laughs) Apparently, somebody missed North Harbor. If apparently over a day to figure that shit out. Um, Yep. I think we're good. Okay. Cool. Chris, you did kind of open my mind. Like I, I started going down the whole the rabbit hole of Egwene being just maybe a little self centered or whatever, but you pointed out that maybe her priorities have changed. She's learned something about herself and she's letting go of Rand. And I just, I didn't, 
that didn't really hit when I was reading it, but as you said it, it's hitting and everything's yeah. sinking in a little bit different. But that I mean, makes she sense. talks about her daughter and the death of her daughter, and then she mm-hmm. talks about, you know, her control as Emerlyn. Like she's now lived these three lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's still carrying those feelings with her. It's you know, it, no. and they're driving forces for what she does not want to be, and then what she does want to be. All right, moving on to chapter twenty-eight, a way out, and the icon is dice. So, yeah. So the dice now stand for Matt rather than the dagger. Yeah. So because he's doesn't the dagger anymore, so it's it's not dice. Yeah. Or does he? Or does he? Dun dun dun. Yeah. Yeah. So we start with the three girls going into Matt's room, and Matt immediately is suspicious. Like, all right, what's going on? (laughs) I love love the little quote if you guys have that uh, handy, like where he talks. Oh, yeah, the one woman, two women, and three women. Yeah, very sexist, by the way. It is, it uh... is extremely misogynistic, (laughs) but it's. But he's not wrong. One pretty woman means fun at the dance, two pretty women means trouble in the house, three pretty women means run for the hills. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, my dad used to say that you're up to something naive yep i'm mad he called her out exactly you're all smiling like cats staring at a finch caught in a thorn but <laughs> yeah, i think i'm the finch <laughs> i died when i first read that yeah <laughs> I, was, I know that feeling i've been in that position before oh yeah so yeah, they they ask about Matt's health and, and and Matt's like, okay, cut to the chase. Why are you really here? And it yeah. yeah. like Hey Matt, how Matt. you feeling? <laughs> How's it going? Say um, got a question for you. Okay, yeah, okay, wait, what, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> and Lance says, I want you to do something for me. I want you to carry a note. Wait, wait, let's stop real quick because sure. I got to give Matt his props. His level of observation. I again, I like. Um, this Matt versus Dagger Matt because he's like, he noticed their hands and wondered why they all looked as if they had been washing dishes. The daughter heir of Andor surely wouldn't be, would never wash a dish and he had a hard time imagining Nynaeve at all even knowing she had done her own back at Edmunds Field. Like, he is really drawing in everything about these women and making really good um, observations. Mind you, he's like, disbelief hits him entirely and then he sees the great serpent rings on all of them and i don't see these big gaudy pieces of jewelry but like small slithers of of gold or whatever so Mm -hmm. he quite literally is taking everything in and and really assessing the situation pretty well so yeah give him the props yeah i and 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 i'll say um as much as up until this point, I've always identified with Matt and been very excited about his character. What you just pointed out is it's a, it's a spot of his character. That's actually uh, a little bit smarter, better than me uh, because even after everything I've been through and at my age, and you think I just wouldn't be this horrible, but good God, I, I become so stupid around like physically beautiful woman and like even in my head i'll go watch out she's smoking hot careful what she says because you'll just do whatever she asks and then she goes hey would you go get me da 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 and do this for me and i'll go yeah because i just uh, 
so bad about it. But like he was able to, like you said, you know, in his head and in his actions and what he said out loud, like he was paying attention, still doing his thing. I would have been like, well, y'all ladies got me. What do you need me to do for you? This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> Thanks for visiting. You become like Stephen Carell in uh, what's the movie where he gets cursed by God? Like, so Jim, is Jim Carrey, what's the name of the movie with Morgan Freeman? Evan All, or, um, not Evan Almighty, but oh, the other one. Not, yeah. Um, yeah, the Noah's Ark one. Evan, yeah, Al- Evan yeah. Almighty. But yeah, he, yeah. But Bruce Almighty is the first one. Bruce, yeah, is the first, yeah, Evan right. is the second Bruce, one. Yeah, so Bruce Almighty is when he, he they he put a curse on him; he can't talk. He said, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> "Right, no, that's it's so bad." So I did all of this maturing, and um, you know, well, I guess I've talked about it on, on the show before, but I did the "I'm going to be single for a while" thing. I didn't bother really dating or even thinking about it blah 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 blah. and then i just did the hermit thing for a little bit the whole living on a boat and finally when i was like okay lessons learned in life let me i mean i'm gonna think about i'm gonna think about the dating thing right and even before i started the online dating through a friend of a friend it was like hey you know you should go hang out with this person i went and did that and no shit like i could i could feel it happening like as we're sitting down talking hanging out i'm like she's so hot I am going to make bad fucking decisions. (laughs) I'm going to fuck this up. You need to run away because you are not ready for this. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know how many times you got to stick your finger in the socket to realize that that's bad juju. Anyways, kudos to Matt because he's figured it out. (laughs) Or maybe his Manethrin uh, connection has figured it out for him. But sure. That's this is where he and I yep. part ways. So, so yeah, Elaine burst in before Nani can speak saying, yeah, I need you to carry a note to my mother. Um, and that's the, the favor I need to ask of you. And Matt immediately doesn't want to cooperate. <laughs> he starts trying to like, you know, uh, you know, make excuses and make a, make a, make a deal. And, and they start just making it feel guilty. Like we carried you all the way here on diversion of your death and saved your life. And this is how you can repay us. Like take the note. <laughs> But whose perspective are we Matt's. getting this from? No, this isn't Matt's perspective. Yeah, this is, is Matt. This is Matt POV. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. He's just like, um, his first thing is is that doesn't sound too very hard, but it's a long trip. What do I get out of it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably before that, he was wondering whether or not she liked to dance. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So he was tempted. Maybe we're yeah. not that far off. Yeah. Like, you are a loyal subject of Andor. Do you not wish to serve the lion throne and your daughter heir, Matt Snickers? Egwene's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I told you that would not work either, Egwene. Yeah. Not on him. Well, that and the two rivers doesn't even consider themselves really part of Andor, so like they're like, yeah, yeah, queen, sure. (laughs) Um, I was like, I I thought it was worth a try. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So eventually, um, you know, after a couple of back and forths, Matt stops playing games and like tells them, "It's like, well, even if I could, I can't leave anyway because the Armalans barred me from leaving the island. Can't get out of the city." He says, "You know what? You can find me a way out of here. I'll carry your letter." And the girl's kind of like, 
I did not. The girls kind of go into the corner and like talk amongst themselves, and then they produce the the Omelin's letter and hand it to Matt. And Matt's like, "Is this real?" Like, <laughs> so going back to how awesome Matt is. So if, if we don't, we can skip this part. Who's Chris's favorite character of these two chapters? Matt. He's <laughs> like, "What did you say, Egwene?" He thought furious. Then I'm a fool for any girl who smiles at me. He kept his outward calm, though, and managed to maintain his grin. Yep. Like, such a level head, even in his anger. That's mm-hmm. very royal-like. It's very yeah. high air. He's not He's not full-on playing their game, but he's, he's playing enough of their game to figure out what he can get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Without totally he shutting them down. The golden ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It you know, he first instinct is, you know, is it actually this is this real or is this a joke? And they're like, No, it's real. It's definitely real. I'm not gonna tell you any more about how we got it or anything like that, but it's real. <laughs> um Yeah, so and Matt agrees. Um and 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 then the girls kind of stay to talk to him for a little bit about the two rivers and um, Elaine tells Matt about what to expect in Kamelin. Um Not only that, he gets something more out of it. Yep. He gets a chance to do a favor for the daughter heir of Andor, mm-hmm. which means he gains a favor too. Yeah. Hold on. Pause. Time out. Chris. Yes. Alan. Well, not you, Alan. Alan, you go back to saying sure, Chris. Me and you for a second. We've been hanging out with Matt for sure. a little bit, right? Helen, <laughs> Alan, you're in timeout. You said go back okay. to saying sure. <laughs> okay, okay. So, even pre-Dagger Matt, and then before we got the point of view from Matt, we we had a an idea of the type of person he might be. Mm-hmm. But then... We got Matt point of views, and it was post dagger, and it was infused with just all this awesomeness and analytical thinking and plotting and horse trading and just wicked smart. He's not adult. He's not a stupidly carefree. I'm just gonna do what I want. Right? He's he's smart. Mm-hmm. Are we on the same page? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a, he's a tag kid. That's what he's doing back. There you he's go. A tag kid. There you go. Now. Ignore everything else that's happened, okay? He is in Tarvalon, and he has been given a letter that says, What the bearer does is done at my order, and by my authority, obey and keep silent at my command. Swan. Watcher, Flame, Amerlin, blah, blah, blah. Now, it's possible that he takes this letter and he just does what these three ladies ask him to do. But what is his mind doing right now? He's like, now I can get my dagger, I can get the horn, and I can be out of here. He can do all sorts of shit. He can do all sorts of shit. I don't even know. I See, I didn't even think as far as you did. Horn, dagger, blah, blah, blah. Look, fuck, I don't know. All I know is Matt's character is sitting there going, with this here where I am, I can get whatever the bleep I want. So, so my it's gonna be more than it's gonna be more than what the girl. My mind him. went to he's gonna first and foremost. You can scratch the whole old man, get out of here, bid. He's gonna walk up with some sense of confidence, like 
yeah, I'm getting out of here, point blank, period. But he's getting out. Like, as much as I'd like to see him go get the horn, reclaim the horn and reclaim the dagger for his own, he's smart enough to realize he's got to go. Why would he get the dagger, though? Because he wanted the ruby. Oh, the ruby. Ruby. Yep. (laughs) Good money. Wait, it's not like this letter is a one-time thing. It's not like he hands it to one person and they have to tear it up and that's it. He can't use oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's the golden ticket. Like, that's what I'm saying. He can get the horn and the dagger and get out. Those are three separate he events. Could. And he could, I, but I think that there would be too much, too many red flags raised by him making demands within Tarvalon. Outside yeah, of it, so though, he's going to make police. The, the dagger, I don't feel so inclined at this point. I feel like that was an initial thought of his because he was thinking a little bit more desperately and he was focused on the money. I don't even I don't even get the vibes that that was still a connection between him and well, the dagger. Well, see, and there's a part the of me dagger. that still feels like there's got to be some impact that the dagger's left on him that we still haven't seen yet. Right. Because he's That's being possible. fed, he's being nourished, he's being, you know, yeah. maybe in a different sense distilled. I mean, the dagger. So that I won't. I won't disregard that. Maybe once the dagger set free, it'll hurt. It'll impact Matt again. Sure, sure. Or maybe it. But 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 what I was going to say with that is, I actually feel pretty strongly about him wanting to have the physical horn with him, because what he doesn't want is anybody else to have control over him. Um. And, you know, he's already tied to the horn right now. And if somebody else gets a hold of the horn and realizes they can't control it until he's dead, then they'll want him dead. So, you know, him and the horn being together is a good idea right now. Um, So I believe that. And I also believe that um, my future wife is going to visit him again and (laughs) talk him into getting the horn. And I'm gonna let her do that because it, you know, it, it helps her, which helps me. You know, it's like it's a team effort. We're a partnership, really. See, I don't so, feel like he cares a damn thing about the girl. horn. I think he wants the horn to stay right where it's at. That's one last thing he has to worry about. Hmm. If the Amerlin has the horn, but she doesn't have him, does she want to retrieve him or have him killed? Might be easier to have him killed. Mm-hmm. And then she could pick and choose who blows the horn next. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I just feel like he's smart enough to think he should keep it with him, just so nobody else is tempted. Yeah. You know. So two things, real fast. One, I want to go back to something Chris said, just because I want to clarify for some of our listeners. He called Matt a tag kid, and I realized that some of our international listeners might not know what that reference is. <laughs> I laughed it off. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah, I was, I was trash and garbage. Trash and garbage kid. Uh, yeah. So in Virginia yeah. schools, I don't know sure if it's nationwide. I'm not sure where tag is. I know it's here in where we live. But uh yeah, it's stands for talented and gifted. And basically they give you an IQ test or something similar to that when you're like in second or third grade and they section off the smart mm-hmm. kids who end up just being picked on by everybody else for the rest of their school career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The way they do it, I don't know that yeah. it's a good idea because I had all sorts of social problems. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Anyway, <laughs> I guess I turned out okay. Yeah, talented and gifted tag kids. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I was, I was actually one as well. It was not. Yeah, whatever. Fun times. Um. So, um, 
Yeah. So, and then my second part was, do you think this is actually going to work? Is what going to work? I threw out 50,000 different possible scenarios. Oh, you mean the one yeah, they I mean, what, what, they No, I mean, presented? do you think the letter and everything's going to work? I mean, you threw out all these scenarios of, of, it, of it working. Do you think actually it's going to work? Yes. I mean, it could, it could, but that would be boring, right? There's going to be a snafu. There's going to be an oh shit moment. There's going to be someone finding out that shouldn't. There's going to be someone they trust that they shouldn't. There's going to be a hiccup. Yeah. I swear I swear to God, if after this, the next couple chapters we read is like, Matt takes the letter, casually walks across the bridge, flashes, flashes the Amberlin's note like he's fucking Wayne's World with his backstage pass and just gets off the bridge. Like... I might stop reading. <laughs> I might be done at that point. <laughs> that's yeah. lame. <laughs> There's going to be more to it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And then the the chapter does end with the girls leaving and Matt thinking that he's found his way out, realizing that, you know, he finally has his way off this island. So super excited and good cliffhanger. It's a super short chapter too. I think like in the audiobook form, it's like only 15 minutes, which is an audiobook. Super short. When I listened to it, the whole chapter actually went by, and then I was like, oh, shit, wait. We started a new chapter, and I had to start <laughs> it over again. I just totally – I zoned yeah. out and missed it. Had, had a Anything we missed from it? I mean, it's pretty much a straightforward. This is – yeah, Matt got a way out. Matt never put his shirt on. Mm. That was like, I'm too sexy for my shirt. So th- this is where Matt and I actually line up. I keep my shirt on when I have my extra winter fluff, but when I'm in good shape, like when, when I got the definition going, I just don't fucking I wear can, shirts. I, can for I that. don't. You hear that lady in another month and a half? <laughs> I yeah, well, that's I true. No <laughs> I can vouch for that. Look, y'all, I got a little fluff still, but I've been hitting the gym pretty hard. Come summertime, once the pool's open here, y'all. No shirt. Oh, when the Ain't pool's there, I mean, I, I, that's, that's whole, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have fluff or not. I mean, as my mom always said, I'm not going to have my shirt on yeah, either. I mean, t- t- tan <laughs> fat looks better than, than, than pale fat. Come on now. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And that's why I wear a Speedo everywhere I go. Gotta, yeah. everyone, everyone knows that. T- tan, tan fat looks better. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to lean back oh, yeah, because like... If you have those white the lines, yeah, yeah. indentions from where you're rolled, mm-hmm. the white lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't want exactly. those. You got to stretch out. There you go. You got to stretch it all out. Yeah. Just anyways. Anyway, so, so. Uh, anything we missed from this chapter for moving on? <laughs> we probably missed a ton of stuff, but you know what? We're going to keep moving on. <laughs> so moving on to chapter 29, a trap to spring. And the icon is a flame of Tarvalon. Um, so we, we're back in the girls, uh, back with the girls. They are in the kitchen. Can I help Chris out sure. real quick though? Sorry. I know you're good. I know Alan's going to go in detail, but Chris, let me help you out. Um, you you remember how the girls found out that there was a trap to spring and that they probably should just spring the trap. That's the best way. Okay. That's. Yep. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so three girls are in the kitchens, and the mistress of the kitchens, Loris, is uh, is overseeing everything, and she's kind of stern, as uh, the mistress of the kitchens would be, and they're 
they're helping with like the midday meals, I guess, getting everything ready. And, and Nynaeve has developed a strong dislike for Laris, the mistress, almost as much as Moraine. She, she quotes, cause it's, she's just, a yeah. uh, uh, you know, with her wooden spoon, just basically a taskmaster. And I need to, I need does not like taking that shit. Um, to be, to be fair and without jumping ahead, I immediately thought to myself, is this an issue with this eyes to die or is this because Nynaeve is who Nynaeve is? So I, I didn't judge too harshly right off the bat. Did, did, and, and Chris won't know this person, but when I picture uh, Lars, uh, the mistress of the kitchen, it, it, it reminds me of uh, Miss Virgie. Um. <laughs> Gosh, that didn't yeah. So, so back when we were in high school, we used to work at a pool, and they had a they had a restaurant or a little cabana is what they called it at the pool. And Miss Virgie used to work the grill, and 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 was a was very much a a very strict, stern woman. But she would sleep all the time on the job too, which is really weird. But she wouldn't really sleep, like because you would think she was sleeping, and then you'd kind of reach in to steal a candy bar, and she'd like have a fly swatter in her hand, and like. Beat the shit. She's trying to grab a French fry off the hot <laughs> train and she would slap your ass. Out of you. <laughs> yeah. She had gravel in her yeah, voice. You would you would Cheese put it in order burger. and when it was cooked, <laughs> cheeseburger, French fries. <laughs> Let me tell you. So um when I so I started lifeguarding, but I wasn't getting full time hours, so I was also working in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, at the clubhouse and then at the cabana. So I got to see a little bit of both sides of the world. So I got to spend time with Miss Virgie, and between the rushes of people ordering food when you're just sitting around hanging out, killing time and making money, uh, she would talk a little bit, and. She would talk about her romance novel. She was like 65 years old. And this was before 50 Shades of Grey. I don't know what she was reading, but she, I would just ask. I'd get bored and be like, Miss, Miss Virgie, what are you reading? Tell me about it. And she would tell me her stories and I would, I would blush like none other. And then she'd see me blush. And I think that encouraged her more. And she'd keep telling more stories. Um, but so like we had, and she knew I was like, I don't know, just stuff like that got me all flustered. So I flip over and I'm working some lifeguarding hours um, and I, I order a sweet tea and she was like, mm, we all had a sweet tea. I could give you some unsweet tea. And I was like, oh, that's fine, Miss Virgie, just uh, some unsweet tea and give me a bunch of packs of sugars. And she leans out the window and she goes, honey, you don't need no sugar. You already swore. <laughs> <laughs> and she said it where everybody else could hear. Everybody's looking at me, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I got a thing going with Miss Virgie. <laughs> anyway, she made the. So, Alan, I don't know if you know this. The crab cakes changed when she oh, left yeah. the club because she never shared her recipe with the head chef there she was the only one that made it and when she left her crab cakes yeah. left with her uh, and they, they were so, so good. good she had good crab cakes anyway so um let's get back to the story so at this point the almond seat comes 
Cheeseburger. Yeah, took her crabs and left. Yeah. Um, but the Armory Seek comes in and everyone is like, it's like a whirlwind. Like a hush runs through the kitchens. You know, and she comes in like full force and starts inspecting the kitchen and like, you know, turning things over and looking. And everyone gets quiet and kind of scampers away and then um, turns to the girls and in a loud voice immediately goes, Elaine, you know, like, how dare you use that kind of language in front of me? And Elaine didn't say anything. Like, she's just sitting there and like, and Nadeev's immediately like, Egwene, don't speak up. Egwene, don't speak up. Don't you see what she's trying to do? And Egwene, of course, is like completely ignorant and just is like, what do you mean? She didn't say anything. It's like, all right, both of you guys, you're in trouble. (laughs) All right. So uh let's touch on the psychology um this will reveal a little something to you and this might change as we go maybe Egwene leans more towards this in the future but at least in the past up until this point Nynaeve has experienced being a manipulator because none of this caught her off guard she watched it unfold and she was like ah I know what's going on but we still have, I don't want to say naive with Egwene, but she just doesn't have experience in the manipulation. Uh, and she wants to believe that, you know, there's got to at least be some people, and clearly the Amberlin is one of them, there's got to be some people that are just true and honest and forthright all the time, right? But no, she's totally wrong. Uh, but evidence of, you know, their past and what they've been willing to do, uh, morally, mm. uh, this is, this is a Gwaine getting riled up because she just, she just believes clearly that Amberlynn is being truthful. The Amberlynn is not trying to manipulate and be deceitful. So she buys right. into it. Whereas Nynaeve, like I said, picks up on it right off the bat. Exactly. Yeah, so Egwene and Elaine get brushed or dragged off by by Laris to get basically their mouths washed out with soap, and Nynaeve's left alone to talk to the Armlin. Um, and Armlin kind of says, "I wanted to talk to both of you, but Egwene apparently can't keep her mouth shut, so I guess I'll just talk to you." <laughs> Egwene's got a little bit of PTSD as well. Yeah, she does. She's tired of being. Yeah, like she had the whole thing with the giant chin. There's. No way she's yeah. going to say too much more-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she's definitely more willing to stand up for certain things and not let people cross certain boundaries with her or people close to her, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe it was a protective thing. But I, I think it was her being a little bit naive of mm-hmm. the manipulation of what was going on. Yeah. From a reader, from a reader perspective, even before Nynaeve chipped in, it made sense to me was what was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing we have read up until this point, unless we were getting some new wild revelation. There was nothing that we read so far that the Amulet should be this upset. But we knew she was slowly working her way towards our ladies. We knew at some point there was going to be some communication. It couldn't be obvious. Yeah, it just you know. It made sense. Yeah, exactly. So Sawan starts talking to uh, Nynaeve. Um, or he starts talking to Sawan, just telling him everything that's kind of happening. Um, leaving mm-hmm. out some of the details, but, you know, 
Um, but also Swan wants to let her know that there's some urgent news. Um, another gray man has been found and it was a dead body, a dead one in Sherryman's bed. Sherryman involved yet mm-hmm. again. Thoughts. You know, so all of this conversation happened so quickly and really all I got out of it was um, Nynaeve as best as she could relayed to the Amerlin that, hey, I thought we were supposed to talk from time to time. We're kind of out here on our own and the Amerlin's like, well, I can't just have like private conversations with you every day because that would be sus. So that's why I'm here now. And then Nynaeve goes back and is like, well, everybody's kind of suspect. And then the Amberlin's like, well, this happened. And Nynaeve's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. More <laughs> sus. Like, there's sus everywhere. But I have no proof. Right. Nothing. No proof. Yeah. And the Amberlin wants... Yeah. Go ahead. And then... I was going to say, the, the really the... I'd say the biggest part of this chapter is... You know, so so Nynaeve is turning the spit as the Amaryllis staring down the kitchen, and they're both pretending to not be talking to each other. And there's this little bit of exchange, and Nynaeve's like, "Yeah, they're all fucking suspect." And then she finally goes, "Well, you know, I it was kind of a I don't know why you trusted Elsa, but it was kind of a smooth move because it helped us get to all the stuff from the Black Aja that we were able to comb through and da 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 and." The way Jordan writes this, there's a, there's a couple of moments in this chapter, but you know the Ermelin has the ability to control her emotions. She's fairly stoic when she needs to be, and there's two parts of this chapter where she lets, if somebody was watching and really paying attention to her, they could have seen that she slipped mm-hmm. a little bit, caught off guard, hesitated, like just a change of expression. And with the Elsa thing, there definitely was right. one. And she tells Nynaeve, um, Ayo Nynaeve, uh, that wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't send Elsa at all. And all the black other stuff, it wasn't a storm. We, we ordered it all burnt to a crisp. There's, there's anything left of it. <laughs> I, and I don't know which was more of a surprise to me. So the Elsa thing, we dabbled in suspicions on who's controlling Elsa, Land, right? Yeah. Did the Amber actually? You know, we dabbled in that, but then, yeah, yeah, I agree. But, but the second part of it that the ambulance says, no, anything that was associated with the black Aja, we burnt, we got rid of whatever. And yet there were still these things left over that were intentionally put here for these girls Mm -hmm. to find and guide it to, uh, we, we were suspect about the fact that land fear and black Aja could exist in the white tower without the Amerlin and others knowing, but not only are they existing, but they're thriving. They're, they're able to, uh, conduct these activities and nobody know. And they're significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it was kind of a mind blowing moment, like a, yeah. Hmm. And, and she asked Nynaeve, like, you know, what do you propose? And Nynaeve's like, well, at this point now, it's obviously a trap. Like it's one thing if it's like you ordered me down there and you know, just, you know, that just coincidence, but now it's not coincidence anymore. It's purposely put there in someone else's hands behind it. So it's a trap. And the best way to, you know, to get it through a trap is to spring it yourself. 
So well, and we also and don't want to gra- glaze over the fact that um, Nynaeve didn't mention Egwene's dream. Yes, she did not. Yeah, there's still a lot of right. untrustworthiness going on there. Mm-hmm. Yep, so. trying to protect. It's so fine. There's layers of it because <laughs> she doesn't want to mention Egwene's dream to protect whatever. But Egwene, in revealing her dream to the other girls. Is protecting Perrin and his secret, mm-hmm. and da 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 da. Everybody's got some shit to hide. Yep. It's the worst game of telephone <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's the proposal, and then Almond says, "Well, I'm guessing Elaine will be going with you." And she's like, "Yep." Uh, she's in. She's in on it too. Um. And Swan kind of thinks the conversation's gone a little long, trying to end it up. And Nynaeve gets time for one more question, so she asks, "Wait, oh, wait, 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 wait." This is important because uh, I know, Chris, you might not have had time to really get in this chapter in detail, but the Amerlin knew that Elaine would yes. be filled in. Mm-hmm. And I only bring that up because you and I, we kind of talked about how like, okay, the Amerlin's not dumb. Clearly, she knows that she's going to get filled in, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But this way, she's yeah. got plausible deniability. I didn't tell the girl to be a part of this. She's made right. the choice on her own. So she can continue Bingo. to have that partnership, whatever partnership that gets repaired with the queen. You know, that's mm-hmm. it's not yep, on yep. her that, that decision was yeah. made. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. That's that's what it was. Yeah. But then so. yeah, you get the the next question that Nynaeve asked, which is I think the other part that Ian was hinting to, because Nynaeve's question she asked yeah. is, What's Calendor? You know, what is it? And <laughs> and Swan is, is visibly shaken by the question, like like, what? what? <laughs> the Amberlynn who fought herself half turned towards Annie before jerking herself back. Yeah. Yeah. As she's trying to play it super cool, like she's not actually talking to her, but just looking angrily at the rest of the kitchen. And she just gets caught off guard with one of the most intense questions she probably could have been asked at that no point. No more than a dozen women in the tower know of Calendor, know what Calendor is. Mm-hmm. And perhaps as many outside, the high lords of Tyr know, but they never speak of it except when a lord of the land is told on being raised. The sword that cannot be touched is a Sangreal girl. Only two more powerful were ever made, and thank the light, neither of those were ever used. With Kalandora in your hands, child, you could level a city at one blow if you die keep <laughs> if you die keep that out of the black eyes hands you and Egwene and Elaine all three of you you'll have done a service to the whole world and cheap at the mm. price so this thing you can level an entire yeah. city with just a flick of the wrist like <laughs> but hey the, the, the other two more powerful are those are those the two statues that's that what I was thinking we're on we're the exact to? same well, the, the two statues, I think, are one, one, one we saw. Like, you have to have the two together okay. for them to work. So there's got to be one more major thing that we either come across and glazed over or we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about the one being uncovered near that Days to Mars City, yeah, whatever Karyan. that was. Yeah, Karyan. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and, interesting. The Stone of Tear holds nearly as many Tangriel as the Tower. Yeah. 
Yeah. Was that like the hideout for the male Aes Sedai at one point? Or no. Something? So Tyr's. So I'll give you a brief history of Tyr that's not spoilery at all. So Tyr's the oldest city, um, and it's like one of the like so one of the only part like after the breaking one of the only things i guess kind of still stood was the stone of tear it's actually like a mountain next to like the harbor that they built a fortress into the mountain and it has never fallen like so and the people in tear hate Magic. channeling and they've Hello. made their mission life's mission to prevent uh the dragon reborn prevent the world from breaking again and and so they've collected Terror Girl as well as a way of, of keeping them from anyone who can channel because they don't trust anybody, Aes Sedai or male or female, um, that can channel. So they, they've collected a ton of them and just locked them away inside the stone, which is protected. So they have this giant collection basically sequestered away. Interesting. Yeah. Indubitably. Indubitably. So yeah, uh, and the whole purpose of keeping Kalendor there as well is to keep is prevent the Dragon Reborn from breaking the world again. Um, and the stone will not fall. The prophecy said the stone will not fall until the dragon holds Kalendor. But how can the Kalendor be held unless the stone falls? It's kind of that paradoxical prophecy. Dream world. <laughs> and Chris already Chris already told you like four episodes ago. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and Swan thinks of Black Aja. Hey, Chris, he didn't say sure. He said, "I know." I know he told. I know he told very... me four episodes ago. <laughs> no, I think uh, that was a uh, cosign. Uh, I think he just uh, gave you the sure. nod, bro. So, uh, so yeah, yeah and Swan thinks of Black Aja might be actually after, you know, if not uh, Kalendar, just some of those Angriel and Tarangel that are that are held there. But yeah, they must not get Kalendar. Like, must not. <laughs> um. So before leaving, the Amelin tells Nynaeve that she should make things right with Loras because uh, explains that Loras, the mistress of novices, are not, not mistress of the kitchens, um, actually uh, had the opinion of not of not treating them so badly. But that was an order from her. And Armin leaves. The other two come back. Um, they say that the soap tastes horrible. Um, Elaine asks if the Armin told told them to stay here in Tar- Tarvalon, and Nynaeve says, "Nope, we're leaving as soon as possible." And that ends the chapter. <laughs> One, I, I know you kind of mentioned about the Amerlin making things right with the mistress of the kitchen there or whatever. Um, but she also pointed out that uh, she was an advocate for the girls not being in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Did I did. Point that yeah, out? I said that she was, she thought they should have had a lighter. Okay. They should have been lighter, more lightly punished. Right, 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 right. So it was one of those things like, no, 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 we, this that's too much. However, if this is the order, I'm going to execute it, execute it the way it should be executed. So she's she's playing mm-hmm. her role by being super harsh right. to him, but it's not. She didn't think she didn't think right. it was just. She thought it was yep. over the top. So, anyways, that was important. But also, okay. So the other thing. This is the only question I had remaining. All right. So Nynaeve did not tell the Amerlin about the dreams. Correct. Right. Uh-uh. However, she casually asked, eh, but let me ask you a question about a sword called Kalendor. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Amerlin's not stupid. Right. She never so, asked how she knew what it was. Bingo. Mm-hmm. 
how would she know? So if not the if not through the dreams, and I would I would think at this point because she, you know, the Emerald probably knows about Egwene, and maybe she knows about Varen helping Egwene explore that. So maybe, but. The Amberlynn also has to consider the fact, remember, she doesn't know who to trust at this point. So maybe she's like, okay, who else have they talked to? Like, I, I could just see a little bit of paranoia setting in with the Amberlynn because she's she's held so much close to her chest, like, and not revealed everything. And clearly, Nynaeve is not revealing everything to her. But there's significant, important information that's kind of seeping through on both sides. And... Gosh, I just—I really, I really wish everybody would just have a, have an intervention and sit down and just tell everybody what they know, how they know it, and work things out. But that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, Nynaeve is sus. Oh, in the Amerlin's eyes, she's got to be. There's got to be some sus there. Everybody's everybody's suspect of everybody. Yeah. So I think I think the couple of big things, like I said, the one thing with Elsie, um, was I think and, and Calendar were the two biggest parts of this chapter. Yeah, the Elsie. Well, and, you know, when I mentioned it, Krishy very quickly said that you know Landfear is controlling her. Um, and I, I thought that too, but again, I I go back to the discussion on anybody that channels can be turned essentially, but what does it take to turn somebody? Can just one person compel them? And maybe for little tasks, one person could be compelled, but for big things, it takes more like how deeply rooted is the influence of the black Aja or whoever it is that's turning all of them. Um, I don't know. Or how powerful is Landfear? Can she just simply compel an individual to do certain small tasks? Or does she have an army behind her that we don't know about? Or, you know, there's, I just feel like there's there's layers here to uncover. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you guys? Also, did I guess... Um... Yeah, so this is also where she did say that Elsie's been out of the tower for 10 days. Yeah, I caught that. Like, she's been gone because all she wanted to do was watch Warders. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so she was let go a while so ago. So if she's let go a while ago, this happened like two days ago. So she came back and then left again. So how did she get there? She shimmered. Shimmered. <laughs> Shimmer, shimmer. Mm. Sparkle, sparkle. You know, it, a lot of questions are raised. Was it Was it really Elsie or was it Lanfear? Because remember, Elsie like, tried to get away from Matt. Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, stay away from me, get away from me. Like, maybe... Again, Lanfear's transforming, charming herself, looking like other people, and manipulating stuff that's happening in the tower. Hmm. 
Oh, so maybe it wasn't even really. Yeah, maybe it wasn't Elsie at all, but Lanfear. Oh. I don't know why I didn't think about that, but that kind of falls in line with some of our other suspicions. Yeah, because she could be taking the shape of anybody. She could have taken the shape of Shiriam. She could have taken the shape of Varen. Like, she could be feeding the girls. Jeez, and I was just talking about how, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Egwene eventually learns in this dreamscape to be able to be somebody else, something else, to manipulate whatever... And we already know that Lanfear can navigate this dreamscape. You know, parents stumbled upon her and all that jazz. So, yeah, baby. And she's in and out of the tower, but she disappears all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Or like when Elsie was running away, she all of a sudden disappeared and she, and then Lanfear was there. So really what it was is Lanfear dropped the charm. Boom, you run into Lanfear. And then Lanfear sends... Uh, Egwene on her way and all of a sudden Egwene looks back and she's gone because she's changing to somebody else. Interesting. So let me just say, those of you out there that run into a series with multiple books that are already out, let's say they're already out, published, released, whatever. Um, all of these ridiculous theories and questions that Chris and I come up with this is this is the justification. This is the reason why we take a couple of days off of work and we do nothing but read for three or four days straight <laughs> to get through four or five books. <laughs> because there's so many possible crazy avenues things could go down. You're like, I just need to know. I just need to know right now. I'm going to read it all. This is our Arya Stark, though. She's just putting on different masks. Ooh. Ooh yeah, possibly. Yeah. She has no name. Maybe she kills all these mm. people, mm. and now she's wearing their skin. All right, now now we're just taking it's taking it far it. Yeah, I know. know I had to go it puts, there. It puts the lotion on the skin. It puts the lotion on the skin. <laughs> Jordan's not as sadistic. Is that the right word? As as Martin is. Yeah. Would you, would you do me? <laughs> I I do me. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, um, anything we missed from this chapter? Everything. Everything. Lockhart's going to pop out soon. I know the answer, but I was just letting y'all figure it out. There you go. So, uh, Chris already said his favorite character from these chapters was Matt. Ian, do you have a favorite character? I mean, I I have to support my wife. Like, and even if I didn't have to support her, like, I would. (laughs) Celine's the shit. Landfair, Celine. She's fucking amazing. There you go. She's like hot, smart, and not, not even really in these chapters. More, <laughs> or is oh, she? She's in these chapters. She's mentioned multiple times. She is. She's the one manipulating things. She is. She's the Shiriam to that found the first gray person. Mm. She's this girl that was sent home 10 days ago. Hmm. She could even be in the Who knows? Hmm. So if, I guess, all right, let me, let me for reals. Let me give it a for reals. I don't want to, I don't want to pick the same, but I, I'd, I guess I'd have to say, man, I'd have to yeah. say Matt. That's, that's good. In these chapters. That's a good one. Matt's just been more impressive. Like, the more we've gotten inside yeah. of his head. 
Well, next time we're gonna do three Matt chapters in a row, so this is gonna this is gonna be exciting. We're about to find out how he uses that letter. And I, I know we, uh-huh. I know we quit um, uh, doing chapter names, but um, I I, I want to do these just because the next chapter is called the first toss. And then rolling the die. Uh, okay. And then the woman of Tanchico, and then the first ship. And those are those are our next three chapters. I got, I got um, so we're doing three. So I got you. Yeah, um, yeah, three chapters. I'll tell you, but I'll tell you about them when I read them. He gets his money. He falls in love with a woman. He gets on a boat. Okay, I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Yep. So, anything else before I do a sign off? Anything you guys want to add? No, I'm good. All right. How are we? Love you, what? Alan. Oh, I said I love, I love you. you too. <laughs> so, yeah. anyways, how you can be found at the Wheel Reads uh, Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook at the Wheel Reads at gmail.com is our email. Um, you can send me an email. I do get those sometimes. Although they, I found that sometimes they actually go into this the spam folder when people really send me emails. I I'm bad about that checking that folder. And I checked like a few weeks ago, and I had like three messages today. That were from people. Um, so so um, I will try to do better. Um, thewillreads.com is our website. Go there. Find links to our wonderful Discord community, which um, is ever-growing and a great place if you're a first-time reader or a veteran to come hang out, talk about Wheel of Time, and amongst other things because we have lots of channels for lots of things. Um, and Patreon. Think about that. Um, like I said, we're, we're, we're always looking to upgrade equipment and, and find new things. I have a whole list of things that we want to do. We're going to be doing more giveaways next week. I will be doing our February giveaway. So yes, there will be a giveaway announced next week. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Um, and Patreon money helps with that. And then merch. Yeah. Merchandise. We have lots and lots and lots of merch. So, um, you can get some of that by coming to Patreon or you just go to our merch store and just buy stuff links for that on the website as well. So um, come support us that way. So lots of different ways. Or you can just listen to us. You don't have to pass anything. Don't have to buy anything. Just listen. Um, that, that helps and supports us as well. Um, helps with, uh, uh, you know, maybe finding some ads and stuff like that. I don't know. Sure. We're going to run ads again. We did for a while, but we'll see. Um, and that's all I got for this week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.